Welcome back, everyone, to Figuring Out the Formula. I'm your host, Kyle. I'm here with Pat and Chandler, as always. Boys, we had a great weekend. Uh, it was the Brazilian Grand Prix in Sao Paulo, and it was a really good racing. It was also a sprint race weekend, so whether you like them or you don't like them, stay tuned. We'll talk about that later, but it was a action-packed weekend. We had a wet weather, dry weather, either way. There were a lot of beers drinking. So let's keep that going. Raise them up, boys. Cheers to the F1 Grand Prix. This was a sprint race weekend, like I said. Um, we are going to skip to the practice and, you know, dip into the qualifying session here a little bit. The weather during it was crazy. Um, Chandler, what was the biggest surprise that happened during this qualifying session? I mean, Mother Nature making a presence is really just kind of shocking. And it's it just in a snap of your fingers, just and I don't know how common this is in Brazil and the Southern Hemisphere, um, but it turned from like day, day racing to night racing to me. It just you see the line of clouds coming over. Uh, almost looked like a night race. Uh, it, it really did. Like, yeah, I know a couple of drivers, I think it was Fernando, actually made a comment, was like, oh, is this a night race now? Um, but it just made its press is one of those where somebody said it best would have been perfect weather. Cause it did rain a little bit at towards the end, but it would have been perfect rain for the race, but it just screws up qualifying. Yeah. Um, so of course, you know, obviously can't really control mother nature, but uh, you know, it, it, that was the most surprising thing of just how at the beginning it was overcast. Sure. But like it was like, all right, it's just another overcast day. And it looked like a hurricane was rolling in to uh to Interlagos. That's yeah. just how wild it got in a matter of 10 minutes. Yeah. Pat, uh, we touched on this last episode a little bit, but last year, you know, this crazy weather phenomenon that happens randomly down there in Brazil, um, it led to Kevin Magnuson getting on pole position for a Grand Prix. Like it was insane to to watch. And then this year we're like, oh crap, is this gonna happen again? Well, unfortunately for us, it kind of did. You know, you you saw cars that normally run towards the front not really get their chance to uh stick in where they normally do. So they kind of fell towards the end of the field. But there was a lot more things that were falling, not just the drivers, the roof. Pat. When we say we love racing and normally it like brings the roof down, that's just a figure of speech. Well, can you explain the more literal version that we saw this weekend? Yeah. Um, so I didn't quite hear about it until, you know, a little bit later in the weekend, but apparently the winds had gotten so strong that um, at one of the grandstands where they basically just put up temporary shade. Um, I don't think it's really meant to handle like heavy rain uh it basically just got totally ripped off um like some damn legos or something which you know it it kind of brings attention to kind of something i've noticed a lot through um you know a lot of f1 and you know like soccer and things like that where you know we've got all these historic tracks and things like that like interlagos you know it's a pretty iconic place um but despite all the money that comes in, they don't ever really update the facilities. Um, and so, you know, you have great, nice places like Silverstone and stuff that have permanent grandstands and shade. But then when you get temporary stuff like this put up, 
you know, it can really cause issues for fans and cause safety issues and definitely shows kind of the, the age and wear of the track, um, which, you know, hopefully the organizers can get on top of, but yeah, I mean, it, it basically just got folded like a tin can from the heavy rain that came in. Um, I don't know. Did you guys hear if there were any like fans heard from it or anything like that? Cause I, I don't think I saw any reports of that luckily. Yeah. From, from what I saw, there weren't any injuries, but like you said, like it is, so the stands look like they're permanent stands, but the roof on top of them are not. So they had, you know, like little fence posts going all the way up and then running across the length of the, uh, the stands will someone put a fucking roofing tarp on top of it. And then, you know, Chandler said that these hurricane force winds basically came in and it had metal clanking everywhere, falling down. I don't, I don't know how anyone didn't get hurt, but yeah, Chandler, it, it little, it, it looked bad. It looked really yeah. bad. It did. We've seen like the issue with the grandstands, right? Well, it wasn't the first issue that we've had this season that's made like international headlines, right? Like in Coda at the U.S. Grand Prix a couple of weeks ago, you had the helicopter, which I know is probably my favorite part of the like actual coverage of the sport, like the news coverage and the the videography that comes from that helicopter is insane. Well, whoever, whichever intern was in charge of pressing the button for the fucking fireworks waited till the helicopter was right over them. Boop. Hit the hit the button. And I mean, it looked like a scene from Tropic Thunder. Like this fucking guy is like hauling ass out of there, weaving around these. It's like, so not only do you have like tracks not investing the money to build permanent structures you know so you don't have that risk of the wind or weather whatever but you also have like carelessness happening well yeah it wasn't the only issue that we've seen either this year you know obviously we saw the more recent helicopter at coda which i didn't actually see until this week um didn't hear much about it until some video surfaced. but and earlier this year something that everybody saw if you were watching the coverage was in azerbaijan uh, you know, they had one lap left and the media credentialed media were coming out onto like in the pit rain pit lane, um, setting up park Ferme, and an Alpine comes into pit and almost runs over, like runs through a crowd of media journalists. And so we've kind of seen that it's another close call where we talk about, you know, F1, they, the, you know, the pinnacle of sports safety. I want to be safe doing it. And then, yes, it's, I mean, the utmost importance on the driver's safety and anybody there. But look at all the near misses that we've had. Let's see if OSHA was auditing F1. <laughs> yeah. See ya. Not pretty. Not no. pretty. Play that. Nope. It's, it's sad because how many close calls are you going to have before something actually happens? Right. And I don't want to put that into the world. Like I'm, I'm knocking on wood right now. I don't want to put that in the world, but. That's not on me jinxing them in a podcast. That's on the FIA and Formula One saying like, okay, we're getting careless. We need to hire Kyle Jones, a CPI, you know, he's continuous process improvement certified to hire him and we'll fix up our act here. Um, So if you're listening to do that. Um, The interesting thing though, Chandler, we talked a little bit about, you know, some upgrades that Interlagos could do. Well, Give us some news, some breaking news that we heard today. Uh, this is the Monday after the race. So, yep. So we found this out today. 
thank goodness. And, and it's kind of odd timing because when the F1 does this, they usually do it about the Thursday before the race is kind of some good positive news. We didn't see that this week, so I kind of got a little nervous. But um, F1 announced today that uh, they will be returning to Sao Paulo until 2030. So we've got at least seven more races. Uh, so far, I'm, I have high confidence that it will be on the track longer than on the calendar longer than that, which is good. It's great. Again, I, I've talked about it on here before. It's my like in terms of racecraft, it's it, my favorite race circuit. Um, that being said, there's an opportunity. All right. The corruption that happens in Brazil. Allegedly. Don't ask uh, the American owner that owns like uh, one of the uh, Brazilian Serie A teams. Uh, he went on a rant the other day. Go look it up. Okay. Uh, but I'm sure there's corruption, but you know, as organizers of this race, you've got it for seven more years. Make some upgrades. We don't need another roof flying off. You've you've got the investment. Obviously, I haven't seen the attendance numbers, but I'm sure they're fine. I'm sure they're good. Uh, it's a good impact for the track in the area of um, Sao Paulo. Make some upgrades to it. But again, even they don't have to be beautiful, beautiful upgrades. Like even yeah. the like if you look at the grandstands at the at Coda, right? Like it's just a tunnel of fucking metal. Like there's nothing crazy architecture. You know, mm. there's nothing going on. It's just a roof and some stands. That's all you need. There's no risk of that shit blowing off and landing on a fucking kid and his dad while they're enjoying their first F1 race. So fix your shit. You got the money. You're signed for seven more years. If you do make those upgrades, you're probably going to get an even bigger extension next time. So make that investment. The yes. that Speaking of like investments and timelines and stuff like that, um, I do want to point out that there was in the news this week a Mercedes employee who has been there forever. I mean, he's been there for 23 years, Mike Elliott. He was the, I guess at one point, the technical director of Mercedes and made a mistake on some calls with the car this year, got kind of demoted to chief technical officer. And now he's announced that he's retiring or leaving or Either way, he's he's leaving the team after this season or whatever. Pat, this guy, uh, he was responsible for probably one of the worst cars that we saw in Formula One this season, and that's Mercedes. So it was pretty shitty. Can you explain a little bit about like who this guy is, what he did, and why he's leaving now? Yeah, so um, from what I was reading, um, this guy basically had control with Toto over kind of just literally the overall design concept for uh, the Mercedes car, which, you know, as we, as we all know, for like eight, nine years, it was crazy good. Um, and then since the regulation changes, it's been crazy bad comparatively. Um, you know, they went with that zero side pod design that everybody was going <laughs> to fly on a rocket ship. And that's that a, totally failed. That's the one that George on Drive to Survive was like looking at it during the preview. And was like, yeah, this looks scary. Like, this looks fast. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay. Uh, and it totally failed, uh, to put it lightly. You know, barred George happening to win a race in it last year, um, which fluke, if you ask me. Yeah. 
Um, and then this year, you know, they, they've tried to kind of just go with the flow of everybody else, but it's still just not been working how they planned it out to be. Um, you know, they've gotten podiums, but you know, at Mercedes after how dominant they were, that's their expectation now. Um, and I think he's, you know, he's been in the game forever doing all number of jobs. Um, so, you know, who knows if he's just kind of tired and wants to just go home or I'm tired. I think I'm going to go home. Yeah. Now. Or if he's just going to go to like another <laughs> F1 team or something. Um, Cause you know, F1's, F1's a vigorous sport to work in. Um, so, you know, I guess we'll see if he ends up at like another team or some other administrative role or something, but um, you know, he was really like in the background running the show at Mercedes with Toto. Yeah. Well, it, it is interesting to see him leave, but what's the saying? Like, I, I hate to see him leave, but love to watch him go. Yeah. So That's my question, and, and, and Patrick, you may have looked at his bio. Obviously, 23 years is longer than Mercedes has been around in the sport. Did he work for the Braun team and the, the BMW team that is now the Mercedes team? So he was a yes. part of that team. Okay. Or no. I, so I didn't know if he had, like, worked with Mercedes Motorsports before getting before they took the jump into F1. You don't get to be in that position, and whether that's CTO or TD, whatever. It does, you're not in those positions unless you know someone very rich, or you've been at a team forever, yeah. even before that might that team maybe existed as a team. Yeah, so, I mean it's it's the same thing like with um, what's his name, Mattia Benotto. You know, he started out at Ferrari like. 20 or something yeah, years ago as just like a mechanic, mechanic and then moved yeah. his way up to the mm-hmm. team principal. So, yeah, it's, it's very interesting, but I think that, you know, 23 years, like we said, it, you, Which, you earn, you earn some rest, bro. Go, go take it easy. Go watch NASCAR instead. You'll have a lot more fun. Uh, sidebar, because I don't know where we'll be able to circle back to it, but Coming up in, I think, a week, uh, Keanu Reeves' uh, Disney Plus documentary over the Braun team is coming out, I think, in a week and a half. So Mike gets a feature from this guy. I don't know if y'all have heard about that, but he did a uh, – Keanu Reeves directed and produced a documentary about the Braun season where they won the championship. I think it was 09. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so that – that I you know, maybe we see this guy in there. I'd give it a watch, you know, some little light watching. Yeah, for sure. Um, Speaking of light watching, Chandler, uh, the sprint race. So I mentioned that it was a sprint weekend. You had the sprint shootout, which is, again, useless as fuck. It's just for the sprint race. If you've listened to us, you know that we don't even entertain the sprint shootout. No, it's fucking as useful as a shit-flavored lollipop. Um, The sprint race was also like... we. We'll get your thoughts. I'll get your thoughts on if you do or do not like sprint races in a minute, but I just want to point out that I was stoked for the sprint race. Brazil, like last year was one of the best sprint races we had. So I'm stoked for this year. And okay. That's great. Lando Norris started on pole. Like, okay. And then the sprint race, nothing happened. Literally. It was like watching paint dry. It it was so boring. Luckily, it's only a sprint, not the real race. So maybe there was hope for Sunday. I'm going to go ahead and start out by saying that I fucking hate sprint races. At first, you know, someone who's not used to actual Formula One, like watching the whole race, 
The sprint race is great for people who have very little attention span. If you can't stay up and watch the whole race or stay focused, then I understand the point of them. But my God, it's useless, especially with this format this year where you have qualifying for the Grand Prix. Then you have a sprint shootout, which is qualifying for the sprint. But wherever you finish in the sprint doesn't affect where you start for the Grand Prix because you already had qualifying. Like this is the dumbest format ever. If they go back to the original where it was, you qualify for the sprint race. Where you finish for the sprint race is where you start the Grand Prix. That was perfect. I liked that sprint race, but I didn't like how they're doing it this year. Chandler, we'll go ahead and start with you. Give me a, you know, a a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Is a sprint race your thing this year? This year in this format, no. Like you said, Last year's format was good. The only other suggestion I had, if we're going to say that qualifying on Friday locks in on Sunday, I would love to see, and I think F3 does this, where they do a sprint race. Since they don't race at all the locations, they do a, a feature race, and then the next day they do a sprint race where you, in this, for F1, it would work. You take the qualifying. All right. One through 10, reverse the grids. 10 like the 10th place starts on for sprint race. It has no, if you're not going to make it an effect and then same thing with 10, like if you qualify 20th, you start at 10th and then have a reverse grid, basically not all the way, like where max starts in 20th. Like that, that's just, that's lining up the front runner cars then are not incentivized because you're like, we got to go through that much as much damage, start them in 10th. Then you take the 20th place, start him in 11th. If you're, if you're not going to keep it, but I agree with you in the fact of go back to make the sprint meaningful. So, yeah, but in this it's, format, absolutely not. Yeah, it's only meaningful for the top four cars. That's it. Where if you increase the points, maybe it matters more, right? Like instead of doing eight points for the first place, you know, one one point for eighth, like you increase the points significantly, then people are going to give a fuck about the sprint race. Teams yeah. are going to give a shit. Pat, thumbs up or thumbs down for a sprint race? Hard thumbs down. The sprint races are just a dumb fucking idea, in my opinion. Um, they, I mean, like you guys just said, they really just, they just doesn't feel like it has any kind of weight or merit to it. I don't know if I would feel better if they had more points to them, or maybe, you know, if we were doing them and, you know, it wasn't sort of dominant season. So, you know, other cars could yeah. get valuable four or five points here and there. Um, I don't know. I just don't like it because it just, it's like a pre-race to the race, but we don't need that. Like when I just make the actual race longer or something, <laughs> it's, I, it's I the, uh, Pat, it's the equivalent of seeing previews for a movie, but it ends up being every good part in the movie were the previews. So you've already seen that's like, exactly what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like, okay, let's go play, you know, a soccer match for, 45 minutes all right well we're gonna take a day break and then we're gonna come and play like an actual full game at the same score different score we're just gonna randomize the score we don't know what we're even gonna do with it like i i don't get it yeah yeah now that now that all three of us have given our thumbs down to sprint races we've offered some suggestions what could be different some were good suggestions some were bad ones um but you know it is what it is Formula One is an interesting sport because there's so many different perspectives on which way it can go. It's theater. It's not just sport, right? Like it's the antics behind it. And I get that, but 
they need to seriously consider moving back to how it was last year or just making some kind of changes because one, it's not economically viable. You know, they want to be net zero by whenever that shit ain't happening when you're adding another mini race to this shit. Um, there's just a whole lot of issues going on. Moving from the sprint race, who, of course, Max Verstappen won that. Lando Norris got second, and then Checo got third place in the sprint race. Yippee motherfuckers. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was boring. Literally, we didn't... I don't know about you. I zoned out more during the sprint race than I did for that actual Grand Prix, but that was just me. Uh, moving into the race part of the race weekend here in Brazil, you had uh, an accident on the formation lap. <laughs> Chandler, the formation lap, you know, everyone's on the grid with all their pit boxes and reporters. You have the grid walk and all this shit. And then the lights come on for the formation lap. Formation lap is one lap from their sp- starting spots all, all the way around the track into their spots again. And then lights come on, boom, they go out. I'm not going to make you do the sound. Um, lights go out and then the race starts. During this formation lap, you had Charles Leclerc, who, <laughs> I mean, this guy has got to be the most unlucky driver this season. Explain a little bit about what went on during his formation lap. Yeah, so while you're in the formation lap, if you haven't paid attention to that part, is drivers are trying to warm the tires, get everything kind of ready to go. That's why they do it. They don't just look, because literally if you look at it, they roll the cars out on like dollies and then lay them on the ground. So to be able to kind of get the cars up, because you think we have a lot of wrecks now, if you just said, all right, you're starting cold, whew, I couldn't have, that'd be carnage. Um, so anyhow, you know, drivers are moving back and forth across the track. There is enough of a gap so that they can kind of speed up, slow down. Um, that's kind of the unwritten rule of a formation lap. Well, anyhow, taking turn number seven, pretty, a fairly fast turn. Um, it's not a slow corner by any means. Uh, Chucky boy, uh, just was kind of a turning the wheels and then making the turn and actually looking at his, like look at the camera, looking right back at him. You just see all of a sudden it's almost like split second, like something breaks and it just boom. And next thing you know, he goes off, he goes spinning, hitting the wall and immediately radios a couple of profanities and to say, I lost the hydraulics. Uh, I've got no hydraulics. And thankfully he, he continued by saying, why am I so unlucky? Yes. Why am I so unlucky? <laughs> when he said that, like you just like imagine one tear rolling down his face. Yeah, well, you didn't have to imagine it whenever they interviewed him. I don't know because if you go on the F1 YouTube, they have every driver's reaction to the race they interview. Whenever they interviewed him, he was dead inside. He was a broken man. He's just he literally said, I don't know what I can say about this season at this point. Like, he just is at a loss for words, Chucky boy. Um, and just thankfully for the rest of the race and not to slow down the race is that he actually happened to go off right there at an at a like escape road. Um, so we didn't have to worry about taking another formation lap. Cars filled in, um, in which then the, the meme was the Lord of the Rings. I'm going on an adventure because as we talked about earlier of like drivers having to walk so far. Um, but again, Chucky boy. 
dead in the water before he even starts. Some are spinning it as a counterpoint of saying that Charles was going to, he would be damned if he was going to let Ferrari strat Ferrari strategist mess up his race. So well, yeah. Fair enough. That's a good point. I mean that's the counter spin right now. So yeah. That that's the most Ferrari spin I've ever heard. But <laughs> um true. it unfortunately wasn't the only thing that happened at the start of the race. Pat, lap one, formation lap is over. Now we have one dri- driver retired at this point, Charles Leclerc. The lights go out and into the first corner and the second corner, carnage explodes. So basically you had two Hasses and a Williams fighting for room where there's only two, <laughs> fighting for a space where there's only room for two cars. So explain a little bit about what went on with that. Do I have balloons on my screen? Did you see that? Sure do. Yeah. I guess what you're, the celebrating, fuck? you're celebrating the battle of mid. Like, what the fuck even was that? <laughs> <laughs> There's your intro. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, fucking. Do I have balloons? <laughs> okay, well, explain a little bit about. Fuck me. Just talk. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um. So. Immediately after the lights go out, um, Alex Albon gets a very good start behind the two Haas cars. Um, because the Haas is so much slower, Alex tries to dart around to his right side, but you know he can't go any further because there's quite literally a wall. Um, and what ends up happening is because he breaks slightly later than the Haas next to him, their wheels catch, and he takes out the first Haas, and then, because of the wheels catching, his car jolts forward into the second Haas, takes that one out, and then that one goes flying forward into the back of Oscar Piastri. So another one of my picks can't make it through turn one, which is great. And then you also have tires flying everywhere somehow. Um, and those hit Daniel Ricardo's car, despite him doing his, his best dodge and spin moves. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, a pretty big shit show, um, to say the least. And immediately after you get a safety car. Um, now the thing about what goes on next is pretty weird. Um, so safety car comes out because Oscar realizes his rear wing or something major is broken. And Danny also has major damage. They both come into the pits. Now, while the rest of the field is going around behind the safety car, the session gets red flagged, um, which don't know why they didn't just immediately red flag it anyways. Yeah, um, there was car- like, like I said, there was carnage everywhere. The wall was yeah, fucked up. You had cars and debris everywhere. There was a literal tire that made it two and a half more turns than Charles Leclerc did on the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, it was it was very that one hurts. Um, chaotic to say the least uh, it was a very chaotic see sequence of events like it was like some final destination type shit thank god nobody <laughs> yeah. died safety cars going around the track with the rest of the cars um and because oscar and danny had picked up their damage both their teams are saying okay we need to go ahead and retire the car if the race is going to continue um well almost immediately after that decision the race gets red flagged um and so Oscar and Danny both come into the pits because the race is red flagged. The mechanics basically get on their A game. Um, I I think, Kyle, did you see anything other than like the rear wing was broken for Oscar? That was the major thing I'd heard on the on TV. So for Daniel Ricardo, it was only his rear wing. 
For Oscar Piastri, however, um, I heard that his he had floor damage as well, which is insane to me that, you know, he gets rear-ended at such a weird angle that it hit the back of his wing. Okay, makes sense. It's the back of your car. But the floor is so crazy in the McLaren now with all these upgrades that they've done and stuff that even getting rear-ended fucks up the floor because the floor extends that high up. It was insane to me, but it was even crazier that these teams were able to not just repair their rear wings, but that especially McLaren was able to fix and replace the floor as well. So they did this all, what, within 20 minutes of the red flag happening. So they replaced the floor and rear wing and component other components in less than 20 minutes. I mean, Pat, you're the only one wearing a hat right now, so if you could do the hats off to them. Oh, someone's getting hat fished. That's fucked up. Good enough. <laughs> nah, but seriously, that was it was amazing to see that because at this point in the race, like with this red flag, the race just started. Okay, Chuck's out of the shit. He didn't even start it. <laughs> Whatever. No one gives a fuck. It's a Ferrari. But after all these cars, like we seriously thought Oscar Piastri retired. We thought K-Mag was retired. We thought Albon and Ricardo all retired. So at this point, you have five cars retired from the race. A quarter of the field is gone. And then, okay, two cars are coming back. Let's hop into Pat's paddock real quick right before we restart this race. So Pat, take it away. Okay. So like we just talked about, during the safety car, Oscar and Danny came into the pits. Um, the other Huss, I don't remember if it was Hulkenberg or Magnuson that survived that ordeal, uh, had stayed out, basically stayed in formation. Now, because they red flagged the race, when they restarted, both Oscar and Danny Ricardo were set to be a lap down for everybody, which, you know, as you would think, you're like, well, what the hell? They can't, you know, unlap themselves or go out first and unlap themselves or anything like that. And the reason for that is some very weird technical jargon in the FIA regulations. So in Article 58-4, it states that after the two-minute point, any cars between the safety car and the leader, in addition to any cars that had been lapped by the leader at the time the session was suspended, will be allowed to leave the pit lane and complete a further lap without overtaking, enter the pit lane, and then join the line of cars behind the safety car. So what this means is because it states that at the time the session was suspended, because at that time, Oscar and Danny were just in the pits. They hadn't been lapped yet, and then it gets red flagged. It's so dumb. But when all the other cars come back into the pits for the red flag, then they are lapped. And so because of that, instead of getting to go out and go back around and you know be on the same lap as everybody, uh, they basically got screwed. Um, yeah. And they were starting the whole race a lap down again. Which, Which at that point is useless. I mean, the only reason yeah. why they went out is to get data for their co-drivers, right? So, you know, Daniel Ricardo went out there for Yuki as, and then Oscar went out there for Lando, you know, to give them data on, you know, the medium tire or hard, whatever tire compound they wanted to test, they used their cars to test it. Um, unfortunately, though, this was not the only incident that happened. 
So moving on throughout the rest of the race, I mean, we hit that that sweet spot where it's prime, you know, if you got ADHD to go do a hundred different things and then you come back to the end, well, from the middle section of this race from lap, what, six onwards, <laughs> nothing really happened. Um, you did have, however, Chandler Ferrari, which I say Ferrari because it's the Ferrari power unit fucked up. Not once with Charles Leclerc, not twice, but three times. So we saw the last two times uh, with the Alfa Romeo. So Alfa Romeo gets their power units from Ferrari. They had a double DNF this race because on lap 23, Joe Granu, he retired. And then on lap 40, you have Bottas retired, both with the same engine issues. Now, I don't know about you, but this is maybe given like hints at what's going to happen to Red Bull when they partner with Ford crazy yeah i you know I, we see a double dnf because ferrari's engines just weren't good in in the alfa romeo a couple of different kind of things that branch off of my mind one of the main things is that in years past we have seen by this point in the season multiple people putting new engine parts and taking race penalties i don't think we've seen maybe a couple a couple yeah yeah it's just kind of shocking to me that like is the reliability as a whole across the five engine suppliers uh, are, is, is it up is I I really don't know, but anyhow, we start to finally see, okay, this time, not this time last year, but at the Austrian Grand Prix last year, you know, Haas who also receives engines from Ferrari scared to death after Carlos signs the engine blows up and catches on fire. Both the Haases were like, we're scared to death about finishing this race because it might blow up at any moment. So Ferrari again is the first engine to show some consistent failures. Um, not really a surprise, but I think we're getting to that point in the season where we see that. And so it's, it's unfortunate for Alfa Romeo because it's, you know, it's their last go round and as, as title sponsor, just be the Sauber team next year. Uh, I have a feeling Alfa Romeo is kind of, happy to be on their way out because yeah. really not a whole lot of positive to it right now. Maybe. I can't, yeah. I can't imagine the ROI is that yeah, great maybe, compared maybe to like Aston Martin. Especially you bring in like Joe Guan Yu pretty good in his first year. Just kind of forgotten about this year. Valtteri, Valtteri, if Valtteri doesn't have his Instagram pictures that just go wild from like the man's just living his best life kind of forget about him too, you know? So yeah. uh, anyhow, that that's really kind of the, the thing about it is I hate to say it, but nobody mentions Alfa Romeo if they don't have both a double DNF. So I, yeah. well, I mean, to give them solace towards the end of the race, they were not the only cars who retired due to engine issues. Mm -hmm. So you had three Ferrari engines retire, you know, one with Charles and then two with Alfa Romeo. Well, Lap 58, George Russell retires, driving the Mercedes with the Mercedes power unit, obviously. Um, Joining the club, Pat. So this point in the race, I knew I was set. As long as nothing happened to Lewis Hamilton, I knew I was good for the picks. We'll get into that later, but 
I just needed shit to just go smoothly the rest of the race. We're almost there. There's what, 71, 74 laps or some shit like that. Laps. I think it's the second shortest track on circuit. So, so, you know, in the seventies and we're almost there. So I just needed him to hold out just a little bit longer. Well, to end the race though, we had some of the best racing of the year. I mean, to see what Fernando Alonso and Sergio Perez did, it was, it was like watching, you know, remember the Titans for the first time or something. Like it was literally magical watching that shit. For, for all these people that have watched and I've talked about multiple times this year, how Interlagos is my favorite. I was very scared that it was going to be very underwhelming after the sprint race in this. Interlagos racing is Fernando Alonso and Checo Perez on that last lap. That that is that is why I love Interlagos. Pat, it's it really gave like 2021 F1 season like vibes with the amount of like close racing. Except the only difference was, in my opinion, that these two drivers are such great defenders and they're so respectful. Barring Sergio Perez, the last six races where he's just not himself anymore, but before this season, you take Checo, like prime Checo and prime Fernando, you threw them, you know, a little bit of like touch of gray, like men's touch of gray, stick them in their cars, and then you get this race this week, this past weekend. It was fucking amazing to watch. Yeah, it was a very epic, like three lap battle. Um, you know, both of them are known, like we said, for their defense. Um, and both of them were actually going for very, very risky last minute dives um, coming down the straights and basically just throwing it all on the line to get on the podium, uh, which, you know, as we've said in the last six, 10 weeks, I don't know how long it's been since Checo stopped sucking. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he turned back the clock a little for us. Um, <laughs> same thing with Fernando. And it was, it was highly entertaining um, to the point where it was quite literally one of the very few photo finishes that you'll see in F1 in the past, you know, 10 years. Uh, it, it I think was, they were like what, five thousandths of a second apart or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, uh, it's crazy. 53, 53 thousandths of a second. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it's basically, you can't the, even the fathom distance, that. Yeah. It's the distance from the nose to the wheels. Like that's how close it was, uh, which, you know, Fernando Alonso was in a similar battle with Sebastian Vettel at the Japanese Grand Prix last year. Um, and, you know, it's it's always just an epic thing to watch no matter what place they're competing for. The, you could tell that they were having so much fun, too. Like, after the race was over, and Chandler talked a little bit, like, every driver does their reactions to the race, you know, in the media pen. Well, Checo came over to Alonso while he was in the middle of an interview and hugged him and basically, basically was like, I had so much fun. And Fernando, Fernando said into the mic, I told him, don't do that again. I'm not as young as I used to be. I can't handle the stress. <laughs> so, so like they're both having a really good time. And like, when was the last time you saw Checo like shoot the shit and have fun like that? I think it was awesome. Never, I've never yeah. seen him like that, to be honest. I, I, I mean, don't think I've ever seen him that happy without winning a race. Yeah, yeah, fair. That, That's, that start finish line is five meters further along that straight. And that results the other way around. Like, that's how close it was. Yeah. I mean, we had obviously Max Verstappen won by 12 and a half minutes or so. Um, then you had, uh, fuck. then you had Lando Norris. He came in second place. Love it. McLaren fan, dub. Uh, but 
that close battle, man, we didn't like, I don't know about you guys for the first two turns on the cooldown lap. Like after they finished the race, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. You know, then it popped up Fernando Alonso third place. I'm like, okay, I want to see a fucking picture. I want to see that picture <laughs> right now. Like, yes. like that shit happens like that, you know, but eventually like they F1 came out with like the diagram of like the, where the GPSs were. And, you know, he's like this far. It's like, it's crazy to see, but it was a nice, it was a nice ending to a race where the sprint wasn't very great. The entry, you know, the beginning of the race was awesome. The middle, the middle was pretty uneventful. But then you had the ending like that. It ended it a perfect race weekend. Um, so I mentioned Lando finished second. Well, he also got driver of the day. Again, I think that's his, what, third or fourth time in a row or some shit like that. That's so right. You're not getting those unless you're making moves. And I'd love to see it. But in my opinion, I think Fernando Alonso should have won it. Instead. Yeah, I think, I think he won driver of the day off the start going yeah. from second because not really like once he got second he really didn't relinquish it other than i think he had the lead for a hair for max pit or why right after max pitted and then like somebody said for like the first time in x amount of laps max had someone within drs of him like but he wanted off of that now had that not really because also I, I, I will say this too that the driver of the day voting closes at the start of the last lap, if it goes until the end of the race, I feel I don't think Lando wins that. So, okay, but still, I, I mean, I mean that, yeah, that's a him. fair point. Good for him. I, I mean, obviously, it doesn't really mean much in the grand scheme of things, but you know. yeah, yeah, it's just bragging rights at that point. But I mean, if we're going to talk about bragging rights, let's talk about these picks, boys. So, last Grand Prix. I got the dub for picking the U.S. Grand Prix. Um, we moved to last episode where I had to pick this race weekend. So for the Sao Paulo Grand Prix, um, I picked Lewis Hamilton. Uh, following that, Pat, you picked Oscar Chandler. You picked George Russell. So at first, you had you know Oscar Piastri get involved in the accident, and I thought Pat was just going to quit this podcast forever. Luckily, they fixed his car. That's great. Oh, but he's a lap down, so he really can't do shit. And then towards the end of the race, you had George Russell retire due to engine issues. And Chandler, I mean, I think he booked a flight just so he didn't have to talk to us on the on the group text. So hey man, I was, watched it in the Har- in the Hartsville Jackson Airport. Well, all I'm saying is that's two in a row, boys. I told y'all. Keep my wife's name out Bro, your mouth. Suck me. <laughs> it's literally it's too easy. Take a I gave long y'all. Walk. I couldn't write this shit if I tried, man. I gave y'all a heads up. The rain, the rain on quality giving Oscar one lap and then he bends it and then doesn't make it past turn one because he gets rear-ended? No, you no. Nah, we'll, call in Brad Pitt. We're finishing the movie right here. <laughs> All I'm saying is. I told y'all a couple of week weekends ago that I was giving you guys a head start. Yeah. Your head starts over boys. We're going for three in a row because the next race is the one that everybody's been talking about for fucking years, whether it's good or bad. I was about to say a lot more bad lately, but they are still talking about it. That's neither here nor there. They're talking about it is the Las Vegas Grand Prix. 
Now, this is a regular race weekend with only the practice, qualifying, and race sessions. There's no sprint race. But the shitty thing is that all three of us are on the Eastern Eastern time. Well, qualifying is going to be November 18th at 3 a.m. Yeah, good fucking move, F1. The race is Sunday at 1 a.m. I mean, these fucking jamussies, dude. What is the... This is such a bad look. Like, if you're going to be that shitty... excites me more than knowing that a race in my home country is at the exact same time as a race in the far east of Japan. I just... It's so infuriating. But I will be okay. I'm going to record the qualifying... There's no shot I'm staying up at 3 a.m. No Absolutely shot. Um, I am going to record that. The race I'll stay at for because it's, it's only 1 a.m., you know, whatever. But I do want to get a three-peat here. I'm going for the hat trick. Three race predictions in a row. Um, no one's ever raced here before. Street circuit, I don't know who the right choice is. Or do I? This guy could really, really ruin my race prediction. Or he could, I mean, he could surprise everybody. He could even win this shit. So I've noticed that picking a McLaren has been like your number one goal, right? Like whether it's Lando or Oscar, if you pick Lando, you're probably set. Well, for me, I'm going to go ahead and pick Sergio Perez to finish highest after Max Verstappen in the Las Vegas Grand Prix. King of the streets. We'll see what it does. Um, Let's... Let's move from my pick into the second place pick. Pat, you uh, picked Oscar to win this race. He ended up a lap down. So go ahead. Who's your pick for the Las Vegas Grand Prix? Yeah, I really don't even know who I want to pick. Um, I, I'm i going to go with Charles Leclerc. Um, you know, even after all those look, Ferrari issues? Look, okay. if this guy didn't have bad luck, he'd have no luck at all. So Vegas is a city where you take risks and you gamble it all. <laughs> and I'm praying to God he has some luck because I just don't even know who to pick for this track because all the rest of the teams are just so inconsistent with who's going to be on the podium. So it's, I mean, you might as well be playing roulette with a bunch of driver's faces. That's fair enough. Uh, so I picked Checo, you picked Chucky Chandler, you picked George Russell for this Sao Paulo Grand Prix. He didn't even finish the race. So who is your pick for the Las Vegas Grand Prix? Well, tip of the cap, you have a very good pick, Kyle. Uh, But it is so good to know that I can pick like five drivers and know I'm going to beat Patrick because something's (laughs) going to happen. Um, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm torn. I'm I'm going to go pick 19 drivers and still beat them. (laughs) I'm going to go with the safe route and say Lando. Uh, I kind of want to say Fernando, but I know that either one of them will beat Charles Leclerc. I just don't – I'm just going to go the safe route like you said. Lando, you're pretty set. So, yeah. Fernando and Aston Martin, who knows? Because I did find out this also. Uh, we didn't mention it. Their upgrades that made them worth dog water, they took all – they rolled them all back, and now they're the original car they started the season yeah. with. So, who knows? But I'm going with Lando knowing I mean, that I'll take second place. Look, this is what's going to happen – Charles is going to crash out on the first turn and take out like 17 cars and y'all's two cars and Max are going to be the only ones left. So just, yeah. just be prepared I mean, for that. Or 
or you're going to have like angry construction workers who are just trying to get to work in Vegas. They just throw all their tools on the track and yeah. you just see like the stop oil protesters out there and shit. So who knows? It could be a whole ass like Avengers Endgame scene where you just have the locals attacking the F1 fans. You never know. <laughs> but either way, stay tuned because like I said, qualifying for the Las Vegas Grand Prix is November 18th. That's Saturday at uh, 3 a.m. Yeah, good fucking move. Uh, and then the race is Sunday, uh, November the 19th at 1 a.m. So it's going to be a late one, boys. Going to have to stay up or go to bed early, whichever way you look at it. You know, it's going to be a fun one, though. And uh can't believe I'm saying this, but go Checo. <laughs> <laughs>